You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I'm your host, Jay Schiffman. On this show, I interview people with lived and learned experiences on the subjects of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy. But occasionally, we talk about other topics as well. This week, I interview JT Frank, the founder of Consequence of Habit. But first, Kid Mental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way. You can always win when you just struggle. And some battles will be yesterday. But today is for a new weekend. And don't worry about what they say. Cause you can always win when you just struggle. And you can bounce back just as Jay. Come on in, listening to just struggle. Choose just struggle. Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. It's great to be back with you all. This week, you're in for a really touching conversation. I'll say that. But first, the last couple of weeks. So number one, uh, thank you to everybody who keeps reaching out about Made It, obviously. I'm going to keep talking about this because, you know, I mean, it was such a labor of love. Um, As I record this, it (laughs) it is out of the top 200 for the first time since it was created. Uh, Its two week run is over, which is pretty cool. Um, because you know, the, the, the usual way that stuff works is that it builds over time. And so to have it jump up there immediately, um, is, is very cool, uh, and, and very rewarding. And I'm sure it'll be back. I I have no doubt, um, as the other advertising I'm doing down the line and, and the, the word keeps getting out and it's just, it's been steady. It's been very steady. Um, which is rewarding. Uh, you know, you know, I'm not one to look at the stats and I could not tell you right now what the stats say its listenership is, but seeing it continue to be listened to, uh, by the, 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 the variables that I'm judging, right? I mean, reviews have rolled in, which is awesome. Um, for those of you who have not, and have thought about leaving a review, please do so. I see those and it really means a lot to me. So thank you. Um, and not just on Apple either, you know, uh, check the show notes. There's a review link there, uh, and, and you can review in other places as well. Oh, and speaking of reviews, kind of an aside, uh, you know, my, my great friend over at great, great pods, uh, Imran Ahmed, uh, asked me while we were together at the podcast evolution conference in, in LA back in March to start doing some reviews for him. Uh, as a guy who loves podcasts, as a guy with a background in writing, and and um, I said yes. I thought about. It. I was like, that's a cool idea. So I've been doing those. Uh, you can check my personal website, jshiftman.com, or go to Great Pods, and you'll see some of my reviews there. Shout out to John Corrales of the Locked On Celtics podcast for tweeting out my review of of his show. Uh, so so check those out. If you are a podcast host that wants your show reviewed, hit me up. Happy to take a look at it, put it in the queue. Um, anyway, keep keep checking out Made It. Really appreciate it. Last week, uh, you know, shout out to Peter for sharing the show, of course, uh, and everybody who reached out and thought that the, the show was really interesting. Uh, special shout out to Kyle Blanks, my good friend and, and the the uh, fellow host here on the on the um, Shameless Podcast Network and almost said Locked On Podcast Network. That would be awesome if I had a show, although I am not qualified uh, as a giant Celtics fan. I am so appreciative of guys like John Corrales because I learned from him. Uh, I would not be qualified to, to talk about basketball. 
Uh, but shout out to Kyle Blanks, a uh, fellow host here on the Shameless Podcast Network, for reaching out and talking about what he enjoyed about that 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 conversation. Um, always appreciate his thoughts and yours too. Uh, you know, definitely keep reaching out. I always love it. Uh, that that offer about using Pod Inbox is still good. Uh, if you leave something that ends up being played on the show, you will get a a um, a swag pack from Choose Your Struggle. Also, speaking of swag pack, shout out to Georgie from <laughs> Made It. Um, she was the first person to correctly identify or to tell me that they have the answers to 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 the the Made It quiz of where all of the um, uh, the 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 things that were in the theme song, the clips that were in the theme song came from. Uh, I I will clarify something that she pointed out kind of inadvertently. Sarah does not count when she says, you want me to tell you the truth or whatever the actual word is. That is not part of the theme. The theme starts after she says that. And so Georgie was saying that she couldn't find that part. And I told her, I'm so sorry. That doesn't, that, <laughs> that was my fault. I did not make that clear. So if you are still trying to participate in the made it giveaway and that's the thing holding you up, that's on me. Uh, just because Georgie has told me she has the answer, it doesn't mean if you also have them, you won't get the the, the, the prize. So reach out uh, through the website, either Jay Schiffman or Choose Your Struggle, and let me know where all of those snips were from, and you will get a, a, a Choose Your Struggle swag pack. All right, this week's show, we have uh, a special guest, and, and and I mean that because he's he's a he's a friend. Um. He's a guy that I admire a lot. Uh, you'll hear us talk about this on the show, but when I met JT Frank, who's who you all should remember, I played my conversation on his podcast as a special episode on this show last season. When I met him, uh, I was apprehensive. Um, you know, he is he, he his background and mine are very different. Um, and and he you know he served. He he has been a first responder. Um, or, or, or I don't know if he would identify with first responder, but he has been a law enforcement official. Uh, and, and those are things that I am apprehensive about. Um, and that was my own prejudice because when we, we, we had a wonderful conversation for his show, so good that I put it out on, on, on this one. Uh, and then we have since hung out a couple of times since I moved to Philly cause he lives nearby and, He's just a good dude. He is one of the the better human beings that I know. Um, I'm very appreciative of our friendship, of, of everything I've learned from him, of our conversations. We always have a really good conversation when we hang out. And the, the work he's doing, uh, you hear him talk about this, and I shouted out on the, the interview, but uh, he, he has started a 501c3, and I have donated. So um, definitely a shout out to JT Frank for all that he does and for his friendship. All right, I think that's it. Without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with my friend, the founder of Consequence of Habit, the podcast as well as the 501c3, JT Frank. If you've been following the show for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of Roadrunner CBD. I use all of their products. Seriously, I run through a tub of their muscle gel every couple of weeks because I'm in my 30s and everything hurts. 
Their balm is perfect for keeping my skin smooth and healthy, and I mix their CBD flower with every joint I roll to give my high that perfect equilibrium I'm always looking for. So to change your life with Roadrunner CBD's products, go to roadrunnercbd.com ref cys. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com ref, R-E-F cys. And use the code cys at checkout for 10% off. Trust me, you're going to want to try this out. Check them out today. If you're liking the show, please consider leaving us a review. If you're listening on Apple, you can leave a review right on your player. For everybody else, check out the link in the show notes. Welcome back to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. It's great to be back with you all. We are chugging along here in season three. And this is the first time uh, we'll have a guest this year that I actually call a friend. This is a person that... Um, is not somebody who who I, I sort of admired from afar. Uh, he's a guy, actually, whose voice you will recognize because I dropped a conversation that we had on his show as a special episode last year. And the, the joke between us is that, and, and this wasn't a joke, this was real. I told him I was scared to interview him. I, I, I admired his work. I, I do admire the work. Uh, and full disclosure, I say this now so we don't do it later. He did start a nonprofit, and I am a donor, so putting that out there. But I don't know how to talk about military service. I don't know how to talk about uh, law enforcement, except in obviously my opinions on a much grander scale than a a person to person conversation. And I told him that. And in the nicest way possible, because he is one of the nicest people I know, he told me to stop my whining and just do it. So uh, here we are finally with the one, the only JT Frank. Dude, good good to have you here. Jay, I'm stoked to be here. And, and I, those are, those are really kind words. And I do appreciate you saying that because there's only been a couple people that have come on the podcast that I've sat down and actually had a meal with after the fact and someone I text on a regular basis. Uh, so I appreciate you saying that and I appreciate the support, man. I'm happy to be here. You know, that's funny you say that because the most important thing I have to say about JT, which is something after my own heart, he appreciates a good diner meal. And, and that is a, an art that is going away in this country, uh, the, the the love of a good, solid diner. And and I do love that about you. They're hard to find, man. I, I enjoy I enjoy I had a nice diner experience this morning, matter of fact. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, yes, JT and I have had multiple meals together. We, we meet at diners because they are one of the backbones of this country. <laughs> uh, but JT is also a guy in recovery. And he is a guy with a really interesting story. I, I, I actually have said this to him that when I met him, I was like, when I knew his a little bit about his story, I was like, there is no way that this guy and I have anything in common. We have the most diverse, uh, separate backgrounds, you know, and it, it turns out uh, that we have a lot in common and it really dispelled some of my myths. So, JT, where do you want to start the conversation with your story? Well, I, let's 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 go off of what you said. Let's. Talk about the um, some of the similarities because I, I I think one of the things that we found even through our conversations is that and so we have these really different backgrounds, um, but at the end of the day, when it comes to when we start talking about substance misuse, uh, there's there's where that that commonality, and I think there's a lot of people that that can go, hey, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me, and they, that might not be for a lot of reasons, but if it comes down to you share this one thing that's a massive thing in your life. And I think that's where the connection is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it is what made us connect, obviously, for your show in the first place and and, and since offline. Um, but for your own uh, uh, 
say, let's say with your own story of, of your struggle with misuse, does it start when you were serving or, or does it start before that? No, I mean, I, there's times I've blamed it on that, but I, I grew up around it. You know, like, like that was a way I could, well, that's where I learned to do it. That's a bunch of bullshit. I, I grew up around it, man. Like, like for me, alcohol wasn't a drug thing. It was an alcohol thing that was in my family. It was in my life on a regular basis. And that's, that's what I thought adulting was. And that's how I thought, like, that's how you celebrated, um, wow, it could be just an, any Tuesday or it could be a birthday, a funeral, it could be anything. That's just, that was ingrained in the daily aspects of my life and what I saw. Um, my, my own drinking started in high school. Uh, and, you know, that was, it was that, I mean, that was a kid partying, right? You look back and you look at these things and it was just innocence. Uh, you have no idea the, the repercussions and the damage, you know, at, by each 40 that this can kind of wreak on somebody's life. But um, no, yeah, I, I did it going into the military. I surrounded myself with a drink like I did while I was in the military. And I continued to do that when I got out. Do you, like a lot of people who struggled with, with substance, or with, with drinking especially, do you have a moment where you remember like, oh, this is it. This is what makes me feel better. Or was it like you were kind of just saying it was just always there? No, I do. There, it's funny you ask that because I was, I was in a bar. I was in Stroudsburg or East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, which isn't too far from where you are right now. It's about, I don't know, hour and a half from you. And I, had, I was young. I was really young and I, I had a couple of beers and, and I just remember like just this feeling of not giving a fuck about anything. And just like, I really like what I'm feeling right now. Um, so I, that, those are the first times that kind of stood out. And then, and then that's what you're chasing, right? For the rest, from that point on, you're kind of chasing that. And, and it goes, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't want to be textbook like some, 12 step, but that at some point it, it stops being fun. That's, that is such a commonality with people who struggle that they sort of, they realize, oh, like this is a way that I can feel things to this thing. And then you went into a situation where, where I don't think anyone faults you on the outside for drinking too much. And that is when you served, was that a part of it? I mean, or was it, was, I guess my question is, was it even that conscious or were you by then just so subconsciously, I need this to, 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 mute out from this situation I'm in serving in the in armed forces no I mean I want to be clear for what I saw in the military was not even it's not even close to what the men and women like post 9-11 with that said the the military culture embraces uh drinking it, they always have um just a lot like I was talking about before that's that was ingrained into your culture. That's how you celebrated. That's how you mourned. That's how you showed masculinity. It's just how you, that's how you operated. Um, you know, it was, it was certainly looked down upon if you didn't, which was perfect for me because that was never going to be an issue, right? Like that, that was never going to be a problem. Uh, so it was, I can't say it was from dealing with the, the trauma. Uh, but with that said, there's a lot of people that have seen some horrific things and i would say that it is expected behavior to try and escape from those things uh you know we've been at war for 22 years and and the way things are are heading and, and during our conversation right now that looks like that's going to be extended so do you have a conscious memory of of thinking that to yourself like i saw something or or, or i experienced this thing and i want to forget this thing where's my drink 
that that was the subconscious part. No, I, I, I do remember finding that after a period of time, I don't like sitting in my own head without the, some t- something to numb me or to forget about things. And that, that became like a, like a, uh, I don't know, my, my little comfort blanket. And if I didn't have it, that I, I knew I wasn't comfortable. Um, so there wasn't one specific thing. Now, everyone, like I've had my own life experiences, right? And that's not always rosy. Uh, and I can go back and, and, you know, talk about things, that, you know, hard things they've gone through. But, but at the end of the day, um, it, there wasn't, there's not this one thing that like, this like a reoccurring dream that I was trying to get away with from. It was just reality. I was trying to, to temporarily escape from because I just didn't, it's something I still suffer with. Right. I mean, that's not, that doesn't just go away. Um, you know, I, I am ADHD and, and, you know, they've said like that a lot of times those, those, which you are too, right. Um, our, our dopamine levels are a little bit lower too. So that's, there was always behavior, you know, if it, if it wasn't drinking, it's, it, there's always something I was trying to do to, 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 to feel good, man. You know, a big part of my story, and you're right, I, I also have ADHD and a whole host of other stuff, but a big part of my story is that I was uh, inadvertently taught that the way to deal with not liking how I felt was substances, and for me it was pills. If you had had access, forget the stigma for a second, not just in in when you're serving, which I know can be a lot, but just in the general public around therapy, if you had had access to someone who had been like, let's work through this stuff. Do you think that would have made a difference in your story or were you already on this path by the time that would have helped? I, you know, it's, this is the fact that we're having this conversation. I was, I was having this conversation with my therapist this morning, literally, because the, the whole ADHD thing is something I've really dived into in the past probably couple of weeks. Now I, I'm medicated for it. I, I've, but I haven't really figured stuff out with it or, or, or connected it to my own actions. And I said today, the more I look at it, the more things make sense, the more I wish that this had kind of, this process had started a long time ago. Uh, so I'd like to think that I, I would have been open to it, but but then again, I was a freaking, I had to figure it out. At least I thought I did. So, so I very well may not have, um, but in retrospect, I do wish I'd started this process a long, long time ago. I, I appreciate you pointing out that you, like all of us, are a lot of us when we were younger, are sure that we understand how exactly how life goes. Do, do you remember ever having a moment of going, oh, man, like this substance use and, and by the time misuse may be getting out of control? Yeah, this is the ironic thing about being in the military. So I was still working out a ton. I would just work out a ton and then get really drunk at night and then start that process over. And I used to pride myself on that ability. That's what the military does. Like if you can show up hungover and then do certain things uh, that, I mean, you want that, that builds street cred, right? Cause you can suffer through that. Um, but I do remember my roommate like saying, Hey, well, Hey, we're not going to drink for the next month. And at that time, I mean, that seems like, I mean, I might as well just say I'm going to climb Everest right now. And I, and I failed every time. I mean, I failed every single time. And that was the part where I started going, all right, this thing's got its grips in me. Um, but I'll stop when I hit 30. 
right? And you're like, that was always these milestones. Or when I get out of the military, I can't, I can't party like this. Well, that actually got worse when I got out of the military because now my identity was gone. My, this thing I'd wrap myself up in, I was left. Uh, all the only thing I was left with was, was the bad habits, like the people I used to hang out with and push me. Like there, I wasn't showing up for PT. I was just, I, but the drunk, getting drunk part, that was still there. Um, so, so yeah, that was probably, it was probably at that point where I found myself going, um, I'm starting to become this thing I didn't want to become because every kid grows up, not every kid. If you're, if you're lucky enough, you grow up and you say, I, I want to be just like my parents. Um, that wasn't me. And I found myself starting to fall into these, these same kind of grooves that, that afflicted the, the ones that came before me. How old were you when you left the military? 20, 25, 26. And did you immediately become a, a, a law enforcement first responder or, or was there a gap? No, there? no, no. We, uh, I was living out in California and I stayed out there cause I had it all figured out. Right. And, uh, I had these grand plans. I was going to do things. I was, and it, it turned out I ended up working construction. Um, I caught my lost year. I was pretty much homeless. I would stay on like somebody's couch for a couple months. Um, was running my own. I, I can't. Even, I can't even say that with a straight face. I was not running my own business. I was running a, a semi-illegal landscaping <laughs> sham. And and uh, uh, so so long as was, uh, no, I stayed there for about a year to a year and a half, and then I came. I came home. Uh, you know, I surrounded myself with just really shitty people out west. Because uh, I was struggling, I was hurting, like I was miserable. I didn't know what to do with myself, and I and you know I just started clinging on to people, or people saw me and saw it as like a target almost, right? And and I was just getting wrapped up in in the wrong stuff. And uh, I I flew home for a, a wedding. Somebody paid for my ticket. I flew to Annapolis, Maryland, and I was around good people. I was around oh well, I was around people that that, that cared for me, that were uh, like they loved me. They showed like they just showed me like what it, what it meant to be loved and, and they want the best for it. Right. And I, I, I flew back to California and I sold, I sold everything I owned to like pawn, pawn shops for the most part. I had somebody owed me money. I was, I was knocking at their door at four in the morning, getting, getting, making sure I got money and all my stuff had fit into a Jeep Wrangler and I drove across the country. Um, which was my vision quest because I ended up getting really sick along the way. It just turned into a fucking nightmare. Um, but it was the best thing. It, you know, there's a couple of times in my life where I made really rash decisions. Like I can't, I've come to a fork in my life. Like it's like Robert Bradley, you know, you're, you're, you're like you're at the, you're at the crossroads. You can make the deal with the devil or you're going to, you're going to go the other way. And it was like right at the last second. Um, I zigged where if I zagged, um, who knows, right? And and I drove across the country and, and uh, uh, worked construction on, on here on the, the East Coast for a while, and then, and then I got a job as a forest ranger, which was awesome. I can imagine that that doesn't lend itself to trying to be sober. So you weren't no. at that time. No, 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 no. Um, no, the answer is uh, absolutely no. I, I I was not sober at the time at all. I was. Um, Again, it's a law enforcement career, right? So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a forest ranger and there's a lot of guys that are like Philly cops are like, what the fuck is he talking about? But at the same time, it was still, 
I still carried a gun and it was still in the culture. I still did these things. So, um, no, it, it did not. And nor did I ever put any of my problems that I, and I had a long list of them. Never once did I truly make that connection that it's that, that this is where it's coming from. When, when you look back now as a guy who's a lot healthier, just from knowing you, when does, when does that, ship start to turn and when do you actually look back and say yeah that's when i got into recovery oh man that's that's tricky i get i can say for a couple years and i've said this on on my show but you know we have this idea of who we are right and as for me like you know I, i was i'm married you know, it's not, it's not conducive to a super healthy marriage, you know, when your wife doesn't drink and if your wife does drink, it's probably even worse. Um, so I was, you know, like that was not great. Yeah. I've got kids. So I'm a, you know, I'm a father and they look up to you and we go back to like learning what parenting is. And I felt this overwhelming guilt, um, for for showing them exactly what it means to be a grown up and what that includes and what that includes for me is uh drinking every day you know and i can hide it i'd hide it with craft beer and i i, I can't even say good wine but drinking wine while i'm making dinner and i you know i i could package it as a way like i don't have a problem you know who has a problem drinks really good bourbon um, never mind the fact that I drank it, like I, I, it cost $10, like, but so in my mind, as long as I could do that, it was okay. But I knew deep down it was compromising me and I was a slave to it. Like we couldn't go out to dinner someplace if it was a place, you know, if, if someone said, Hey, let's, let's stop like Cracker Barrel or someplace. I'm like, Dude, they don't booze. Like, why would, why, why would we stop someplace that doesn't have a drink? Um, or if we went somewhere to a hotel, to spend the night for a kid's thing. And like there, if there wasn't, you know, I had to, I had to bring something like I wasn't, you know, so I, I knew that I was a slave to it. I'm like, and I, and I hate that feeling. I hate the feeling of, you know, my, my kids saying you smell like hops or beer or you know, your lips are purple or um, just, it just brings shame, man. That's such, that's such a, a wonderful point that I, I, I have to ask. Have you talked about this with them? Do they understand the power that your love for them played into you getting healthy? Yeah. You know, it was one of the, it's, so I, I had this conversation. Um, it started with my oldest. Uh, Cause you started going to meetings and they're like, well, when are you going to meeting at eight o'clock at night? And uh, you know, my oldest was, she was, yeah, she was in college, I guess. So there, yeah, there came a point where I think one of the most powerful things you could do is have those conversations. Because you know, even if your parent, your kids do look up to you, um, there's power and vulnerability. And if you portray this thing that never has issues and never has problems, uh, then they feel like that's the what their life is going to be like or it should be like. Um, so no, there's I think there's been a lot of power in that. I mean, it's a really tough conversation to have because you're really putting something out there. Like, how do I, how do I explain that? And then go back, which a lot of people do, right? Like, uh, you know, as I'm not telling you anything in your listeners, they don't know, but, but shame is this overwhelming, just fucking terrible thing 
that goes along with this. So to tell these kids that look up to me, hey, I'm going to stop doing this. That's why I'm going to this. And then for that to, to go back would have been a tough pill to swallow. And just like a lot of people, I woke up on a regular basis in tears, like dreaming about going back. You know, you have those dreams. Um, so, yeah, my kids are fully aware of it. Um, they know, you know, they know everything about it. I, I still I drink non-alcoholic beer. Um, I had the conversations, my, I mean, you know, my son's ADHD. So we have these conversations about things like dopamine and chasing what feels good. And, and, you know, if it's, if it's something that makes you feel good short term, it's a good chance it's a Trojan horse for, for a long-term pain. Um, so I think those are important for, for me. That was an important conversation to have, but it took a little time. Would it be fair to say, and sort of last point on, on this, but would it be fair to say that you are trying now to do for, with your kids, what you didn't have you know, the, the, to, to, to use that lack of the example to, to help them you know, to turn that around and stop the, the trauma at this generation, as we as we like to say, I, it's yeah, it's a massive part of it. Um, I've questioned myself whether I would have had it in me to do it without them. You know, would it just be enough? Um, but I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It's for me, it was a big part of it. Like, like there's one thing that's screwed up your own life. It's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm infecting them with, with, with malware and spam and stuff that's just going <laughs> to fuck up their operating system from here on out as well. Last question before we take a break. You are a guy that I think, and, and you've already touched on this yourself, is the epitome of masculinity in this country. You served, you continue to be in law enforcement. You know, as you said, you used to drink and work out like that was your life. How big is changing that narrative a part of this story for you? It was huge. It was huge. I, I mean, I started, you know, I, I went to, first time I ever went to a room and uh, I sat down and I looked around and I said, there is nobody in this room like me. Nobody. Um and, and then I, I realized, no, there is every single person in this room is just like me. And I got this thing that they can't stop. And that made me question a lot of things. And it brought a sense of empathy over time. And this was not like instantaneous um, towards people in general. And because I can look at my own actions and when I start connecting them to my alcohol misuse, to my ADHD, and then they go, wait. Oh, that's that's what helped contribute. Now I still got to own those things, right? I'm still responsible for those things, but um, those are those are all wiring that I have now that's helped contribute to those things. And when that happens, you have the ability to look at other people around you and go, um, you know, we're talking about masculinity. If I see somebody acting in a certain way, they don't do law enforcement. That can be masculinity in. Uh, anywhere, it just it, and and I can almost feel empathy for it now. I mean, I do it. I feel it. I would have empathy for a twenty-two-year-old me right now. I'd look at him and go, "That's that's sad." I love it, and that's going to be a good time to take a break. Uh, before we go into that, if you wouldn't mind shouting out where people can find you online, where they can check out your podcast, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Uh, if you want to check out Consequence of Habit, we are on all the major platforms. And if you want to, we, you can check our website, consequenceofhabit.org, and that's where we have our nonprofit stuff as, as, as well as all the episodes. Hello, Frank. Oh, the hell, you, you dizzy booger. 
Am I this weirdo who's done this crazy thing? Yes, because you took a random email and turned it into like a nine episode podcast. It's a pretty bizarre thing to do. I've said from the beginning that one of the Carver brothers is a sociopath. You met me, an ogre. There's something mysterious about it I want to find out. Yes, you can fit a square peg into a round hole. This is Square Peg, a new eight-part series. Podcasts and newsletter said it was so riveting that they couldn't stop listening. Check it out at squarepegpodcast.com or wherever you listen. Find us on social media. Check the link in your show notes or search for Jay Schiffman and Choose Your Struggle on any social media platform. How long after you got into recovery did you decide that you wanted to turn around and do something with your story and with your work? I was about a year in. So there's some irony in this. I had been doing a podcast. I was hosting another podcast for a company called Killcliff. And you want to talk about masculinity. So, so Killcliff is a, is a performance drink. And it's for, um, it was at this time, it was really big in the CrossFit world. Uh, I know Joe Rogan has been promoting it for a bit now as well. So um, I was, I, matter of fact, they were sending me around. They, they sent me to the, the uh, Drink and Bros podcast to be interviewed, uh, which was a much bigger podcast. It's still a much bigger podcast than mine, but, um, it, but I was already going down this, this path of, of sobriety and, and connecting my actions with my emotions and, and all of this stuff. So it was about a year in that uh, COVID hits that falls away. It's gone, right? This, this other one is, is, is gone. Uh, so I still have this studio in my basement and I said, I'm just going to go down because I had this idea of of habits and their consequences, uh, because I almost lost everything. You know, we talk about like what's important to you, like what's important to you. For me, it was my job, it's my kids, it's it's my wife, it's it's all of these things, and all those things were almost gone for something I was chasing, which you know at the end was still oh it was a poison. Um, so about a year in, I started just coming downstairs in my basement, getting on the microphone and talking about uh, the consequences of our habits. Um, and you know you can only tell your story so much and i just started inviting other people on to include yourself and people who had been in recovery for longer than i have who knew a lot more uh and then it wasn't just recovery and i think one of the important things we're trying to do is go oh, look i don't know what your poison is i don't care if it's drugs whether it's alcohol whether it's sex whether it's work whether it's your phone whatever it is a lot of these things all stem from the same place right this this uncomfortableness um different poisons have different consequences. Uh, and, and so I started, I mean, I started talking to professional athletes, entrepreneurs about habits. Um, you know, if it was on the habit spectrum, I wanted to talk about it. So that went on for, so it was a year after sobriety that starts a year after starting the podcast. Uh, I had somebody, a, a question from the listeners, like just about habits and so all these, these amazing things I've learned. And, and I'm looking at, I'm going through the episodes and God, I got so much, awesome, awesome material and, and lessons in life. And uh, how can we do more to synthesize this, this information and, and, you know, as well as a podcast, how can we do something in person? Uh, so that was two years after I got sober, I filed the paperwork for uh, the 501c3 nonprofit, uh, which, as you know, takes a long time. <laughs> yes, it does. And, and I was uh, privileged to a lot of your, your, uh, questions yes. and, and, and concerns along that process. 
Before we, we talk about the nonprofit, though, one thing I love about your show, and, and I, again, I say this as a listener, somebody who's been on, uh, somebody who's recommended people to you, shout out to our, our mutual friend, Freddie Chagog. Yes. Uh, uh, you interview a lot of people who, again, sort of what I was saying about you earlier, are what we would think of as the epitome of manlyhood, yeah. right? A lot of these guys are first responders or or, or um, a lot of them have served. Some of the guys, you look at them and the first thing that comes to mind is just, man, yeah. I mean, they are just, you had a dude on who looked like Grizzly Adams. I mean, these are just like manly men, yeah. right? And yet you're sitting there with them getting vulnerable. You've had some guys cry on the show. Yes. How important is that to you to, to again, I, I love to keep coming back to this because I know this is something that you deeply care about, but to change that idea that men like you and men like your guests can't be vulnerable and can't, can't be open in this way. Oh, well, I think that it's the lack of vulnerability that's killing them. I think it's the people that, that try and hold these things in or have this idea that they can't be vulnerable. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, the ones that have really stuck out to me are people that you know, people that know better, and they they say, "All right, you've seen this in your life. You've lived through this. Your reaction, which may seem not normal and crazy to some people, is a normal reaction to what you've gone through and what you've seen. Um, so, if you aren't vulnerable, I'm telling you, it is a pressure cooker." something bad will happen. You know, there, you, when you talk about, and this is something I forgot to, to even mention before, you're talking about those moments, right? In your life where you, you like, something's not right. Um, I, I never had an anxiety attack in my life. And I was, I was standing to a bunch of alpha males. I was standing in the back of a classroom and, and I was about to instruct a Friday. There was a, a person giving a class up front. And it was about a subject I knew a lot about. And in my mind, I was going to, wow these people with the knowledge i was about to drop on them and something happened they called my name and something happened from the back of the room to the room where I, was full of anxiety. I mean the walls came in on me i started profusely sweating i went i turned around i went to talk and nothing was coming out of my mouth it was like a weird high-pitched noise i'm like what the fuck is going on um and i kept just coughing to buy time like i was like clearing my throat and then i pretended i had something and i, and I walked off uh that is what uh, we like to call a clue, like something's not right. And that was my pressure cooker starting to leak. Um, and that was, that was one of the first times where I really had to go like, something's not good. Something's not right. And I need to start looking into what it is. So yeah, uh, things are changing in those communities, at least in the, the, the military and the law enforcement community that, you know, you, you look at the numbers, you look at the amount of people that are dying by suicide. You look at the n amount of people that are, uh, that are dealing with substance misuse issues. Uh, mental health issues, everything that goes along with that, it, the change is necessity. Um, if there's any positive to the trauma and stress that this we've gone through as a country uh, that war brings on is the need for, for a different approach to our mental health. And that's something that I love and respect about the conversations that you and I have is that you are by nature a very curious person. And in the couple of times that I've told you about some of the things that I've tried, you have been very curious. And you've also told me about some of the things that you have attempted. Is that 
Do you think that helps you in these conversations in terms of you being a guy who's not only walked the walk, but you're, you've been, you've, so you've been there, but you are also willing to kind of get down in that hole with them and really, and really be there as they get vulnerable. Oh, sure. Sure, man. Um, it, it can be exhausting. Yeah. And I'm open to it to uh, listen. If it, there is no, in my mind, there is no cookie cutter way of, of dealing with this stuff. Some people, one thing works, another person takes five different things. Somebody's got something over here that works. At the end of the day, if somebody's healthier, if they're happier, and they're not reliant on some chemical uh, where they're abusing it, and I want to be clear on that, that they're abusing, then, and I'm, all, then I'm all for it. Now, that, Within those communities that can come across as a little strange sometimes, like when I start telling people about, you know, some breathing exercise, like a Wim Hof kind of style breathing thing, and I try and get people to join in. Well, it may, I may not have a bunch of people that are on board, but um, I don't shun any of that stuff, man. None of it. I don't care what it is. And, and I, I greatly respect that. So, you know, we are at a time when the basic idea of of the necessity of things like law enforcement and war i mean god like the conversations that are happening around us as you and i are having this conversation today about why are you know why is war it, it, it how is that on the inside as a guy who you are a very you would be in in many communities i re recognized as sort of a progressive thinker and you're in a, in a community that doesn't always lend itself to that is that difficult for you yeah and i, I think some of that comes with age um, I mean, I, I literally had these con this conversation with my wife today saying, but uh, it just sucks that we live in a world where these few people can decide the lives and the misery of so many other people, right? Um, you know, there's a reason that the military picks people at a certain age in their life, 100%. Um, but uh, so, yes, I, whether it's progressive or, or not, um, they... Again, I do think we're, we are shifting, uh, but it's a tricky world, man, because when we start talking about things like security clearances and, and uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of apprehension by, from a lot of people that might be suffering to come forward and uh, because there's a punitive response to it. And that's, that is a huge hurdle that, that hopefully we'll be able to cross at some point. And what was that thinking like for you when you did decide to come forward and start this nonprofit as a guy who exists in those in those circles? It was it was difficult. It was really difficult. Um, I didn't tell anybody, Jay. Like I didn't tell anybody for a long time. I, I had I had a podcast called Consequence and Habit that very few people that I actually knew knew I had. Uh, I my job didn't know. It took me close to a year. When I was getting ready to do the nonprofit, I knew I was going to have paperwork that could show up on a back. Like I knew at some point that this, these conversations were going to, I was going to have them. Um, but it was extremely uncomfortable uh, because for a couple of different reasons, those mentalities are still ingrained, right? And a lot of the people that you, you a lot of people you're going to have these conversations with might be struggling themselves. Um, so so like you talk about even the stigma, like I used to say, like, end the stigma, but I didn't, I was living it. 
<laughs> I was saying those words, but uh, at the same time, I mean, I still catch myself. Who am I kidding? Maybe I'm having a bad day and I'll make a comment about somebody. And, and I realize like, that's just me. Um, maybe I'm just struggling today, but uh, yeah, it's, it is a, it is a, a tough thing. And, and it, there's a lot of apprehension by a lot of people to, to start heading down that path themselves. But you you pushed through that. You started this nonprofit, and and talk a minute about why you know uh, looking out over sort of the 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 you know the landscape. You thought you know what a nonprofit is the right way to go here. Um, I felt, man. I hope this doesn't come across. I, I feel like I owed. I don't even know who I owed. I, I my life had gotten better. I was starting to feel better. And I knew there was a lot of other people like me, um, which, I mean, this disease is, it affects people in a lot of different ways. I grew up thinking somebody who was an alcoholic was somebody who was sitting in, a, in, a, in the basement of a shitty church drinking bad coffee around with a bunch of other old people, right? Talking about, um, wow, well, I don't even know what they're talking about, to be honest with you. But they, then I realized that everyone... Everyone is, I don't even say rock bottom, but it, all right, we'll use the word. Everyone's rock bottom looks different. And, and I always compared mine, like I wasn't, I had a roommate whose father was a full, he was an alcoholic who every night got full blown blackout drunk, right? And then he would not drink for periods of time. And I used to think, well, man, that must be way easier because you just know you can't drink. You're not balancing it or appearing to, at least pretending to. Um, it's like it's like a boxer getting knocked out or just getting jabbed in his face for the rest of his life. Like, which one is it? Like, I compared it to being murdered with a wiffle ball bat. It's like these little pings that happen over and over, but but it doesn't it doesn't knock you out. Um, but my rock bottom was almost losing these important things in my life. So I knew there's a lot of people. They don't have to be military. Uh, they don't have to be law enforcement. There's just a lot of people just existing in society that know deep down that they're that they're a slave to something and they don't know how to do it they don't know how to maybe make those changes um so that was that was what i felt this draw to try and do um and and then level the playing field like i said i don't want uh, so i had an alcohol issue you had a drug issue you have uh, uh whatever your issue is Let's let's all start maybe looking at the root of these things and not making it. Um, but that to me was a way to really get rid of the stigma. So you, you've got the 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 podcast, which is excellent. I obviously recommend everybody check it out. T tell us a little bit else uh, about what the nonprofit's doing, and and spe and specifically, you know, if people are hearing this and going, "Man, this J two dude, like, I'm loving this. I want to get involved." What does getting involved with your nonprofit look like? Well, that's, that's kind of taking form in, in, in real time. And uh, before I just get into that, Jay, I want to say you are the, like, you donated and I took a picture of that donation and I sent that because that was the first, that was the first real donation that I had. So you would text me like, hey, what's your address? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of expecting a check for 25 bucks or something like that. And, and it was, it meant means the absolute world to me. All right. So. Uh, we've got a couple different things going on. 
first thing that's in the works is team consequence of habit. And that is going to be, if you have, we're saying it's for people that have touched both sides of the, the habit spectrum. So if you've suffered in your life with mental health, substance misuse, and you're now doing something, uh, say you're running, you're into MMA, you're into sailing, I don't care what you're into. If we can help you get to do what you're doing, so whether if that's through buying apparel, through uh, memberships, whether that's like race fees, whatever it is, we are going to have a team consequence to have it. And that's in the works now. Um, the other thing is we are holding workshops and programs for people uh, locally. Uh, this, it will, I believe they will already have passed by the time this comes on, but we, we are holding a, a mindfulness meditation and uh, movement workshop. And that's me for veterans and, and uh, first responders. Uh, we've got a plugging event that's going to be running all year. So this is, again, this isn't just for people uh, in recovery, but that's going to be jogging, hiking, biking, but you're picking up trash the entire time. This, this idea of doing something for yourself, but being involved in something bigger than yourself, which God knows you guys are just, you know, I, I see the post you guys are doing uh, uh, with Savage, Savage Sisters. Like that is so fucking cool, man. Like I, yeah, I love it. I love it. So, um, and we're always looking for volunteers. So please check out, that'll be, at, be on the website, consequencehabit.org. Well, one thing you and I can both, I think, echo each other here is that being involved with something bigger than yourself is just, it, it's key uh, for being in recovery, right? I mean, yeah. it is so important. And, and, and you know, my, I've had listeners write in and be like, you're so anti-A. I'm like, I'm, re I'm not. And I'm so sorry if I've done anything to make it sound like that. I think that there are some tenants that are super important, but the most important thing that AA has is that community, right? That is the piece that a guy who went through this alone did not have. And, and, and that's the piece of what you're doing that I love so much is that th this way of building community that is not smacking you in the face with it, right? I mean, there's not, let's sit around and talk about this, which is important. I don't want to minimize that, but you are you are helping people. That's why I love the, 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 the jogging while picking up trash thing. You know, that is a way for people to feel connected. That isn't, uh, if they're not ready yet to be sharing their story, mm. they can just, you know, be a member of your community by posting pictures, by reaching out and, and, and being involved that way. Yeah. It's, and you're right. And community is it like, all right. So, so I don't care if you're members of, uh, of hell's angel or the military or any of these things, what they, the way they bond them together is through a shared purpose and a shared challenge. And when you do those things together, uh, that's what builds true connection. You might not even like the person. Like it, you listen, there's a lot of people in the military. They don't may not even like the person on their left or right, but they're, they share a purpose and they share a connection. And th there's, there's something truly special about that. Again, being part of something bigger than yourself. I say being being part of something like that is one of the most selfish things you can do because of the way it's going to make you end up feeling in the long term. It's like, yeah, it's, I, you're right. I, I echo what you say. It's super important. So let's, uh, let's do some, uh, one forward looking exercise here. You and I re are, are doing an, a, a follow-up interview in five years. We connected and this was still a sparkle yes, in your yes. eye and, 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 you know, you've been building this thing in the couple of years that we've known each other. It's still, you know, it's barely born. Right. right. So five years down the road, when you are, you've got this thing and it's solid, what do you hope it would, it will accomplish by then? I would love to see uh, some chapters of it open. 
um, where, where, like I said, it's, it's wherever, you know, say there's one in Philly, there, there's one in, in Baltimore, and it's like-minded people building a connection through purpose and challenge with the same idea of, of everyone moving in a positive direction, and that's through analyzing your habits. Um, and in a non, in a non-judgmental way, man, like that's, uh, if you want, you want a place for people to open up and be able to actually talk about stuff and, and uh, you can have those, those kind of tough conversations around that in, in a non-judgmental way. So I would love to see, uh, I would love to see some chapters in some different places. And I'd love to see uh, some, some people from, from Team Consequence and Habit doing some just awesome stuff, man. I, if there's still that mess going, like I want people to kick an ass, but at the same time, uh, it, just wearing some, some, you know, having this background, like the bad news bears of just going through some hard shit, but, but if push forward, because that's what impresses me. Don't get me wrong. Somebody who's lived a great life and, and done has amazing habits from the get-go. That is, that is amazing. But for what gets me going is the person that is, has suffered, has done some things in their life. They've, they've gone through some hard things who have now made a positive change because change is fucking hard so and and you all know that everybody here at choose your struggle echoes that sentiment uh very much so and if all that you're hearing isn't enough of a reason to reach out to, to jt and get involved uh your merch is on fire when i when i told my wife that i was interviewing to you today she went oh the guy with the cool shirt <laughs> so uh that that is how uh i i, I wear your shirt when i when i run yes. and it, it it the the merch is the merch is good so i can definitely tell people reach out donate and get a shirt cuz it's good stuff uh which will take us into one more time please shout out where people can find you where they can follow you online and check out the podcast you can check us out at consequenceofhabit.org um the podcast is on all of the major platforms we are on instagram we are on uh we're on facebook I'm trying to wean myself off that so if you don't see a ton of stuff on that because that uh, <laughs> we talk about dopamine man that's i'm low on fruit for that freaking social media so uh, uh but we, we we do have presence on there and we are actually you know, somebody else kind of running that stuff so uh that's where you can find us and definitely look and listen to the podcast. Go back and find the episode with me. Go back. Although you, a lot of you already heard it because I released it here last season. Uh, go check out our good friend, Freddie Chagog, on the podcast as well. Yes. Uh, we, we always finish with the same two questions, JT. And those are, number one, what are your self-care habits? What works for you? My self-care is usually waking up early. Um, and... and I got away from it and I just got back into it today. Started my day off by doing something for somebody else. Uh, so for me, that is sending a stoic quote to a group of people that I've, I've uh, connected with over the years. Um, and then I have to take a couple minutes uh, to do some type of meditation or breath work. Otherwise, um, I mean, not, not my day falls apart, but but I'm just not in tune with with the thoughts and emotions going through my head and, and connecting the two with, with my actions. So uh, it's usually the day I'll, I'll chase somebody who's cut me off or, you know, find myself doing something stupid. So uh, those, I would say uh, some, again, service work and, and something for myself, either physical or some meditation. 
Love it. And obviously, all the listeners know that I uh, believe mindfulness is incredibly important. So echo that. Finally, we've now spent the, the last 47 minutes listening to you, why you're awesome, why we should be following you everywhere. But this is your chance to shout out some other people. Who, what do you listen to, read, watch, anything like that that we should go check out? Ooh, I like this. Um, so I would say if you're interested in the mind and dopamine, uh, there's a book out there called Dopamine Nation. And that's by Dr. Anna Lemke. And it, it was a game changer for me. I thought it was uh, fantastic. And it's really going to help people connect um, maybe some of the things that they have do or want to do uh, with, with, the, with that tricky chemical in your brain. Um, and then as far as, uh, as, far as uh, listening to... Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a hype man for for uh, Huberman Labs. Andrew Huberman is a, is a podcast I'm I'm really into right now. And Ologies, I don't know if you ever checked that one out. Uh, it's a fantastic one, um, and and that's uh, with with Ali Ali Ward. Uh, those are the two ones I'm I'm really into right now. Well, uh, JT, I'll tell you what, man, it was really a, a pleasure to finally record this after knowing you and, and, and admiring your work for the last couple of years. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Likewise, Jay. I'm looking forward to a, a uh, lots of other diner visits and taking part in, in some of the things you're doing. And uh, I really appreciate you. Back for their second season, I'm so thankful to have Bookshop.org as a partner. When you buy a book on Bookshop, you not only support this show, you can also select your favorite local bookstore to get some of the proceeds. For me, I've chosen Harriet's, a black-owned bookstore here in Philadelphia. So next time you need a book, or if you want to check out any of the books we've profiled on this show, go to bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS. Again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS. Check them out today. Support us on Patreon. Check us out at patreon.com slash choose your struggle or at the link in your show notes. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with JT. He is doing really great work with the the Consequence of Habit show and the nonprofit. Please check it out. Uh, that's not your good egg, just the thing you should do. We are going to go straight to the cards. There they are. We're using the Just One Thing card deck, uh, 52 Practices for More Happiness, Love, and Wisdom from Rick Hansen. And this week's card is Say Thanks. What do you feel when someone thanks you for something? You probably feel seen, appreciated, that you matter to other people. Turning it around when you say thank you to someone it's a small moment with big ripples a confirmation of deep and wonderful truth that we all depend on each other that we are all joined in the web whose threads are innumerable acts of giving consider where you might have a backlog of thanks perhaps for big things like saying thanks to your parents relatives or old friends think of your teachers coaches supervisors or neighbors make a list of these people that you want to thank and gradually move through the list that is a really good card um and that's so funny. That's actually going to go straight into our good egg for this week, which was going to be, he said on here, you know, uh, that neighbors were one of the people you may want to think. Do something for your neighborhood, for your neighbors. Lauren and I are very lucky to live in, an, in a community that we love, South Philly, what's up? And it's a very communal area. 
Uh, we are very appreciative of our neighbors and our community. So do something for your neighbors this week. That is your good egg. But above all else, as always, be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle. I'll talk to you next week.